They told me I use my mouth good. So I started a podcast. All right. Woo! Okay, welcome to Iconosass. This is episode nine of Iconosass, and I am joined by someone who is super awesome that I met when all of this shit went down with my brother. So you guys, I have a really special guest this episode. Her name is Melissa Unfred, and she is the mod mortician modern mortician modern mortician mod mortician on the instagram yes and the twitter yes yes <laughs> so you opened up this entirely new world of activism and philosophy and, and stuff that i didn't even know really existed so for i'll kind of explain the background i met you when my brother passed away a couple months ago and you just like swooped in like a hero and helped plan a lot of the funeral stuff and things like that. But you also just gave me like a really good education on the death industry, I guess. Yes, it's a sick industry. It's a sick (laughs) industry. No, like many other industries, it prides itself on one particular way to make money and times are a-changing. That's right. So I, and yeah, I didn't, I haven't gone through a whole lot of deaths in my life. I've gone through a few, but I've never really been part of the kind of planning side of it or looking into like that side of it. And so what would you say, How I kind of want to back up a bit. How did you get your start working in this industry? What made you be like, oh man, I want to, you know. Initially, uh, right before my senior year of high school, it was kind of a, an F you to my mom, to be honest with you. I had a gothic or skater phase. Uh, well, I just wore flannels. It was the 90s. <laughs> and Kurt Cobain was in. And so that leads to one summer, some local business owners were being interviewed um, on the news for some piece about how they were looking for summer help. And one of them, after a plumber, was a funeral home that was owned and operated by a lady. And she was looking for a summer helper, you know, to answer phones and run death certificates and 
I was watching the news with my mom and she said, oh, you should work at the funeral home. And I looked up at her and I said, well, I will. And it kind of led to me actually enjoying it. Uh, I was very intrigued by the science behind death and everything that went on behind the closed doors. So that led me into going into mortuary school, not once, but twice. And that's got a sordid tale all of its own. But I have been fully licensed for five years in and out of the business for almost 20 now. Wow. As a dual licensed funeral director and embalmer. That, that's important. I currently don't embalm, but the funeral director slash embalmer license just means you've been trained on all of it. And it's a full associate's degree rather than just a certification uh, with the funeral director program. Hmm. So you said you don't embalm. Why is that? Because you told me some really interesting developments in how you can bury people now. Right. Okay. So embalming is not and is never required by law. Um, It is a preference of the funeral home. So if they're going to have your loved one out on display, uh, it's their reputation on the line in most cases, and they want the body to look a certain way. So they will not allow it to be viewed in a public facility or in their facility without embalming or recommendation of embalming for public private family viewings of course you can ask not to be embalmed but they only limit that to like 15 minutes or things like that so embalming is never required by law it's not required by law to get embalmed so i didn't know a lot about the legal side of this okay yeah a lot of people don't know because the american way has been to embalm bodies since the civil war And embalming was initially used on the Civil War battle lines in order to send the soldiers that died in battle back up to the north or back down to the south to get them home to their families. So then after the death of Lincoln, uh, his body went on a multi-state tour where he was embalmed at every stop and it just became the thing. Like, oh, Lincoln looks so good. That's what I want done. Embalming is so in vogue right now. so chic. (laughs) So that became the new American way of death. And it took death out of the home in the long run. People stopped having a lot less hands-on and a lot more things began happening behind closed doors. So... What's happening now is there's a shift in the tide where there's a bit of a movement going on to kind of, I was thinking earlier, what did we start this on? If we go back to the movement, um, it's a death positive movement, which has been kind of spurred into action by another very well-known mortician named Caitlin Doughty, who has an Ask a Mortician channel on YouTube, which is hilarious, Uh, very informative. This death positive movement is about being uh, open and honest in the discussion of death and dying and not to make it so taboo anymore because when we don't discuss this and death happens, you are caught off guard and you can be caught making decisions that you may not have made if you'd had more time to think about it. So this death positivity movement leads into also more hands-on for families, more more choice, more involvement in the care of their dead. And yeah, so that's where that's going. Wow. So basically after the Civil War and after it became kind of popularized, was that where people were like, oh, like I can make money off of this, like a, a kind of new industry around death was it, born? Yeah, it, it took the undertakers were initially cabinet makers And so your home has a kitchen, bathroom, bedroom, and a living room 
the living room used to be the front parlor of the home, hence funeral parlor. But anyway, yeah, they took death out of the home. The, the cabinet makers started building the caskets. And then they were like, well, we'll just come retrieve your loved one and embalm them here at our place. And then you come to our funeral parlor you know, and it's, they took death out of the home and then made it a business and an industry um, when they got casket makers becoming, you know, big industries and everything after that. Yeah, well, it's so expensive to do a funeral the traditional way. That's something that I've noticed. I mean, I've done, I've kind of had limited experience with it and done limited research on it, but it just really it seems extremely cost prohibitive for a lot of people. And we see GoFundMe's all the time. And every time yeah. I see a GoFundMe for a funeral service that's over, you know, $8,000, I just, I facepalm. I'm like, oh my God, I wish they would have talked to me first. Because most of the information that you're being sold to you at a funeral home is because you think that's what everybody else does. And the only reason it's the norm is because that's what funeral directors have made it. They don't talk to people about all the options that are available. So just like when cremation started getting big 30 years ago, it wasn't talked about. And now people are going to direct cremation rather than doing their funerals through the funeral home. And with that direct cremation, they're doing their own thing with memorial services, just like you did with your brother. Basically, what the funeral home, what I uh, worked out with the funeral home here was that they would do minimal care of his body, which was bathing. The body had been autopsied. So in this case, extra care had to be taken in order for you all to have a final goodbye which was really important. But I do remember that funeral director telling me, well, we would prefer to embalm. And I said, it's not required. And I am a funeral director and I know what it takes to do the, the things we need to do to make him you know, presentable for a final goodbye. So families aren't armed with this information going into it and they end up getting sold a bunch of things that maybe they didn't need. There are cases where embalming would be re- recommended, I guess. Um, we were having a discussion yesterday with a young lady whose family was coming in from out of town and one of them was going to come in from out of the country and they opted to have the family member embalmed just to make sure, you know, this other person was going to be able to see them. So. Okay. Yeah. So like there are cases where it probably makes sense, but it's not always required. And what are some other things that the death positive movement focuses on like what maybe like alternative methods of burial or natural burial is the big thing we're educating about now and that is what my primary focus and mission is as the modern mortician besides getting people to talk about death and what they want to do is understand you can have a home funeral you can have as much hands-on as you want and you can definitely acquire a natural burial which means no embalming no metals no plastics. You could be wrapped in a blanket off of your bed as long as it was, you know, biodegradable and not polyester. <laughs> yeah. Or a, a shroud or naked as the day you came into this world. But the point is you return to nature and you're not pumped full of carcinogens and chemicals and stuck in a, you know, a bunch of different boxes like a Russian nesting doll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One yeah. And the other and the other and the other. It would seem like, yeah, that can't possibly be good for the environment. Having a coffin oh, no. degrade 
that like is holding a body that eventually decomposes anyway. It always struck me as like a very bizarre thing to do. There are other ways it would seem like you could. Well, have you been in a uh, mausoleum before? You know, those tall buildings that are built up tall and the people are put in their caskets like shelves. If you haven't, take a chance and go into a mausoleum next time you're around a cemetery and just breathe. And you will notice there's a distinct smell of either over-the-top air freshener or decay. Because those bodies that have been embalmed, that are in those caskets, that are in that wall, if they're sold an airtight casket, they pop. They do pop. Because you've got the pressure and things built up. There's pictures mm-hmm. all online of ooze coming out of the front of these mausoleums sometimes. Wow. <laughs> that's wild. It's disgusting. It is really disgusting. Um, but yeah, that's just like one example of uh, that. Wow. So what are some other kind of natural burial methods? Like what are some maybe like new ones people might not know about that like you're kind of excited about? recomposition is in the future recomposition is like composting a human in in so many nice terms katrina spade is the person that has come up with this and she's working with the university of washington to develop i don't know how far they've gotten they've gotten pretty far i just was at death salon two weeks ago and and she presented on it again and it's just so much information it's all still kind of blending together But the purpose of recomposition is composting the human body to where the family gets back soil or that soil is sent uh, to landscape. Another one would be aquamation, which is an alternative to cremation. Many people think that cremation is a more eco-friendly option than contemporary burial the way we're doing it, you know, with the embalming and things. And it is to a degree, but there's a lot of fossil fuels that are used and it's a disgusting and dirty process. And if you've ever seen, well, no, no, not very many people have seen a body on fire, but it's not a very pretty thing at all. (laughs) Aquamation is the reducing of the body to just bone with the use of water and alkaline hydrolysis. So it's almost like pressure cooking or maybe crock potting the body and then everything else just goes away except for the bones but the bones are in a really clean white condition before they're processed down to the consistency of kitty litter or sand much like regular cremated remains from fire wow yeah (laughs) and that's wild you were telling me about that i think it was yesterday and i was just like that is so wild that they can do that now and You said that they were starting to do it with pets, right? Like that's kind of a way to kind of make it's a good segue with it. Well, yeah, I could see why someone would want a remnant of their pet, like like a skull or something like that. I mean, that Mm -hmm. makes sense to me. I I don't know, I don't know if I would want the skull of someone I knew, but like I also (laughs) but so many people do. (laughs) I, I would imagine a lot of people do, and that shouldn't be. A taboo thing to really want right like it shouldn't right. be a macabre kind of thing to want because people kind of grieve in their own way and people get through things in their own way yes. and stuff so that could be part of that whenever we have people come in uh, that are being cremated the you know the only way there is to do it right now with flame cremation if they have a hip replacement or maybe a knee replacement families mention this as part of the intake process of the paperwork and I'll ask them if they want it back because I started getting people that were asking me if they could have them. 
Um, until I was informed I wasn't allowed to do that anymore at the crematory that I partner with uh, because they recycle it. So if a family asks, I will try to retrieve. Okay. All right. Yeah, I I bet you learned so much about people in this field too, like how different ways they grieve or different like reactions to death and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Like I'm trying to think... There's no, there's no book that will tell you what's going to happen after somebody dies because it's loaded. It's so loaded because there's so many different, you know, ways to die and whether it's expected or unexpected. Um, sometimes books will help, but there are no six stages of grief or seven stages of grief. Uh, Kubler-Ross had it wrong. There's, I mean, they may be the stages of grief, but they are not in that order, and you cannot set out a timeline for when you're going to get better. Because mm-hmm. nothing is the same when you lose a primary player in, in your relationship in your life. So right. I see people go through, some people heal quickly, and some people just keep getting run over by the truck. Mm-hmm. The truck yeah. of grief. Right. Well, it is really complex. That's something that I've definitely noticed, you know, in the, in the few people I've known who've, you know, died in my life. It's everyone kind of knows, oh, well, the five stages of grief, like denial and bargaining and anger and sadness and acceptance. (laughs) And it's like, there are some things I think that are hard to ever fully accept. Yeah. And that should be okay too. Like you should never set that as a kind of I guess, finish line for yourself. Like, well, eventually I'll kind of like accept that. Like, I don't know. There, I think there are some situations where I didn't even know how you would get to that stage. I don't even know if it's, it's, it's okay that you're not okay. When you, when you've, when you've experienced a loss, we just need to accept that it's okay that you're not okay. And things may not be okay for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. Our society has a terrible way of dealing with death. Um, somebody dies close to you and you get two days off of work if you're lucky Uh, and everybody expects you to go back to normal um, or you get two days off school or something like that it is not a two-day process and life does not go on the way that it ever did before so um, our society doesn't accept talking about it and that's why it's important that that we try to change the stigma about discussing death and how we react and care for those that are experiencing it yeah, what would you like to see as far as, I don't know, society's approach to dealing with death? I mean, I, I totally agree with you. It's like, yeah, people expect you to have, take a couple of days off of work and then all of a sudden be right back and up regardless of kind of the circumstances because the circumstances around someone's death will affect the way you're grieving from it and like all of these different things. So how do you, is does just kind of seem ridiculous that people would have a, one size fits all approach oh, yeah. to it and just like oh well you know just pick yourself up by the bootstraps or just you know I think there should be like not mandatory but I think grief counseling and grief yoga and just grief anything should be readily accessible to anybody and I think that should be through the current funeral establishments as they are these giant buildings um, with all this space, incorporate them into a death care center instead of being about a for-profit and 
sales and things like that. Uh, the future of death care is going to be about the funeral professional, I think, and, and not about the facility if they're not careful. So that would be the first thing I would recommend is that, that uh, funeral entities start using their position in the community to provide more counseling and options for that. Workplaces, when you're hired on, there should be an annual review, just like there would be of your insurance of your death care plans. It should be discussed, you know, when you're hired, when you're in school, when you're out of school. I don't know, there should be a timeline that this is discussed. Because a lot of the times I'll sit down with family members that, you know, mom was on hospice for three months, but nobody talked about what she wanted to do. And then she dies and they're handed a sheet of paper with funeral home names on it and told to call somebody. So if that discussion has never been made, they could end up calling the most expensive firm in town just because, oh, well, they're down the street from us, you know, instead of going two extra blocks and finding somebody that's literally half that price. So as long as things are like planned ahead and talked about, we're going to eliminate a lot of that. Uh, heartache and money spent yeah that's true it's a natural and inevitable part of life oh yeah so to at least try to plan ahead a little bit with some things i mean obviously there are some circumstances you just you know you never expect right well if you you have have a birthday every year you've got to understand that you are going to have a death day but you just don't know when it's coming so Let's make it easier on the people that you're leaving behind by at least discussing with them what your choice would be if for some reason you walked out the front door tomorrow and Armageddon happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if anybody would be going to a funeral home if Armageddon was going down. But <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but it is true and it should be less taboo to discuss and... And I mean, I, I understand why people avoid the topic. You're afraid of it and you don't want to think about it. But yeah, it's, it's something that's going to happen. So I think the more it's discussed about, the more or le- the less taboo it will be. And, and that's what we're hoping with these discussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So, and, and yeah, that's awesome. Um, Again, like it's, it's something that I was like, man, it, I'm so glad that you are starting a discussion about this and like pushing that. Yeah, this needs to be kind of like a more open, transparent industry too. And you've caught a lot of shit from people too. Like, <laughs> Most yeah, notably, like I've seen people go after you, like for your people in my on profession. This. Yeah. Yes, and w- what is their gender usually? Oh, uh, dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is their color usually? Oh, white dudes? Yeah, all white dudes. (laughs) Just, you know, randomly guessing out of a random smattering of possibilities. It could be of people who would explain to you how they know more about something than you've... They're so cranky about it, too. Like I said, I've been in this game for about 20 years, and last time I used that term, game, somebody was like, if you think this is a game, and I'm just like, oh my gosh... Um, death man yeah I get a lot of heat for my Facebook because I share articles about natural burial and green burial and I share information from Funeral Consumers Alliance which is a nationwide advocacy group for not getting taken advantage of in the pocketbook by funeral homes so this article that I shared from them was how not to hire a funeral director because guess what funeral directors are not required by law So you can absolutely pick up your deceased loved one from the hospital and drive them to the cemetery or crematory yourself. But in those days that it takes you to plan the services, you don't have refrigeration. 
um, unless you're doing an immediate burial or have arrangements for immediate cremation. I'm getting off topic, but you know, where were we? Legally, could you put someone in like a freezer in your garage for a while? If you, are you allowed nah, to do that? It has to be a human grade <laughs> freezer. No, we're not burning in anybody. <laughs> <laughs> like there are some, you know, you do want some maybe professionals to handle that yeah. part. Yeah, I mean, it. sometimes you need professionals involved, but yeah, <laughs> um, that's what Funeral Consumer Alliance is for. And then um, a lot of of my state associations, my colleagues in the profession there are very unhappy with how I will. I, I talk back, you know, if somebody will say something stupid online um, and I will back sass, uh, <laughs> especially when it comes down to the need for embalming. Um, it's, it's few and far between that it's needed, but the first and foremost thing that, that I pride myself on is that I do what the family wants. So if they want embalming, I'm not going to talk them out of it, but if they want to know other options, they're definitely going to learn other options. Yeah, the, that's their right, and by denying that or by just kind of not making them aware of it, it's like, oh, just go the traditional route or whatever. It can be way more costly, and yeah, I, I can see why they'd be mad. You're like cutting into their profits and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, You're you like, see those uh, insurance commercials industry. where like MetLife is like, buy this policy because your funeral could cost $15,000. That's because they sold you everything. <laughs> it's it's messed up that there is yeah. so... I mean, I, you know, I mean, I understand that, like, I guess yeah, you can profit off of anything, but profiting off of grief and, and death It's pretty despicable. Pretty despicable. Like, it's, a, it's definitely a level... I mean, people have to make money somewhat... I mean, not everyone wants to physically or, you know, however bury their loved ones like they want professionals and maybe they want some distance from that in some kind of way and that's oh totally yeah it's not for everybody at yeah. all not but everybody like, wants to have mom laid out in the living room and sponge bathing her and then have everybody come over but for some yeah. people it's so healing right have you and have you noticed kind of a difference in people like people who are more people who kind of embrace seeing their loved ones after they've died like like being more physically present with them versus maybe like a closed casket situation well i guess it depends on the individual like people are going to people handle things handle it a little bit differently but when i give people the option for more time i like to go on the first calls after the death has happened be the first person on the scene to bring the dead into our care and i tell families even before I head out there, look, if you're waiting on somebody to get in or you need some time, you know, I can give you several hours. You know, there's no emergency once the body is dead. All emergency needs have ceased to function. So it's perfectly okay to take your time and have your loved ones stay at the home for a little bit so other people can come in and see them. Or to participate in sponge bathing the body. I, I like to use Dr. Bronner's lavender soap. Or sometimes, if it's a gentleman, I'll give the option for the, the citrus. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, to have more hands-on. To give people the option to push that crematory button if that's what they want to do. Um, they don't know that it's okay. And it absolutely is. And for some people, like even covering the grave at a natural burial, we leave shovels out. 
So maybe they didn't want to dig that grave, but they definitely will take advantage of the fact that the tools are there and, and they'll help cover the, the dead with the soil. So got to give people the knowledge that they can have more hands-on and they can work that grief out in a whole new way that we haven't provided before in the last 150 years. <laughs> right. Yeah. We've been so detached about it because we don't want to think about it and we have maybe rationalizations for what will happen after that body is deceased or whatever and people have different ways of comforting themselves with what they believe in that regard but I could see it bringing a huge sense of closure to people to be more physically present oh yeah you know seeing like you know that that's the person I knew and they're not here anymore and like there's no kind of I don't know, maybe there's less of a sense of wonder or lack of closure. or I'm What not we've sure. done in the death care industry is we have removed the most important piece, and that's the dead body. Um, because death happens, the, the funeral home people come in, they swoop in, they scoop the body away behind closed doors until you get them back in a bejeweled box with a bunch of makeup on, and they look like they're still alive because of the embalming process and the suit that they put on them and the colorful lights that are now playing over them and you've got the the music with the slideshow going the same cookie cutter thing and then everybody closes the box and they drive to the cemetery and say a few words and it goes into this manicured lawn with with a covered hole into a concrete box and it's so sterile and you're so removed from it whereas in the case of what I do uh, the call comes in and I'll go to the home and I encourage them to help me transfer the body onto the cot even if I have another person there with me I think it's important for families to have that hands-on or keep the body there a little bit longer or bathe the body and then when it comes to dressing them do you want to come in and help dress or if we're doing it all in the home let's do it now and then having, you know, the option to do a viewing with an unembalmed body or have people come over to the home where the body would be in another room and they can come in and lay, you know, flowers or, or evergreen or different things like that, you know, on the body. And it's a different look. The body is dead. You can tell there is no life there anymore. There is no makeup. There's no cosmetics there's no plastinization going on and that is so vital i think to having a ritual some kind of the the body and the ritual is what's important to helping us get through our grief and moving forward and and we took it all out yeah that completely makes sense how is being involved in this industry change your outlook on life like philosophically or however like before you got into it did you think of death as one way or another and how has it kind of changed i was woo am a lot more outgoing now i try to do more things because i know i'm going to die it definitely gives you a better sense of self-awareness and yeah so it reminds me to live every day that's great. Especially yeah. with people in our our age groups, you know, 20s and 30s getting cancers and tumors and everything like that. You don't know how much time you have. Especially yeah. with bad drivers, too. <laughs> but, yeah, right. Really, yeah. 
I'm like bad driver capital right now. <laughs> just driving more has made me more aware of like death and stuff. I'm just like, man, like, this could go at any time. Like I gotta really pull it together and do stuff that I really like to do and want to do with my life. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Like kind of realizing that it's inevitable and that like for me, what's been motivating, at least I, people I think can accept people, whatever they want to believe and stuff like that. But I don't really, I I don't think there's anything after you die. Right. So that's motivating for me. Like I know that this is my one shot and if I don't do anything about it, then yeah, I don't, I don't want to live in regret, and I don't want something... Well, to you're dead. You can't have any regret. Well, you can't have any regret. <laughs> but so the minute you're dying, older, you're like, oh, shit. I would imagine, like, if you do get, like, to a certain age or something, or, like, you know you're dying, like, yeah, I don't want to have any kind of regret. And then I also know it could happen at any time. It's like, oh, man, I don't want to waste too much time, like, doing whatever. So yeah, kind of living more consciously. And YOLO. More YOLO, exactly. <laughs> YODO, <laughs> you only die once. <laughs> That's true. I guess depending on what you believe, but right. I think you only die once. I agree. <laughs> you only live once, you only die once. I agree. Well, well so what kind of, what kind of, you, you named a couple names, like what are some authors people kind of look to and what are some kind of events maybe that people can go-to or resources people can learn more about this locally um in most metropolitan areas there are monthly death cafes where you're encouraged to have cake and drink coffee or tea or whatever's your your pick your poison and talk about death in a healthy environment Follow up on theorderoftheGoodDeath.com, um, which is not my website. It is run by Caitlin Dowdy and The Order of the Good Death. Lots of really good information on her website. And those ladies behind the initial part push of the death positive movement. Um, Amy Cunningham is a leader in natural and green funerals with fitting tribute funerals. Somebody look at her information online. She's got a great, great blog. And then my information is at themodernmortician.com. But I think most of my uh, traffic and stuff is from my Instagram. Because I have a really, really cute sidekick. Who's your cute sidekick? Oh, which, by the way, I'm super stoked because he's been staying with us. (laughs) He is Kermit the dog. People think I say hermit sometimes. I think it's because I'm not enunciating the case. So there, there you go. Kermit the dog. <laughs> Hashtag death positive pup. Um, it's guaranteed you're going to get pictures of him pulled up. Kermit is Texas's first certified therapy dog working in funeral service. And we take that title so seriously because I made it very well known that we were the first to achieve this. He's a year and a half old border collie. And he was a four-month-old pup when I found him on PetFinder.com and pulled him out of a Waco shelter. Waco, Texas. Waco, Waco. If we didn't specify earlier, I am in Austin, Texas. Yes. So little two different colored-eyed border collie uh, is my shadow, and he specializes in grief therapy. And what I noticed the first few months that I had him, he was with me all the time. He's my emotional support animal first for 
life and work-related stress and anxiety issues. So he would come with me to work, and if somebody was making arrangements, he'd walk into the room and would know who was hurting and would go to them first. And I remember one lady just could not get it together for an arrangement that kept crying. He walked in and put his chin in her lap, and her hand came out, and it was like the tension melted away as soon as she started to pet the dog. And she was able to form her complete sentences, and we were able to get through the arrangement process. So after he hit one year old, we started the rigorous training for certification as a therapy dog. And after two months, he passed his predictable certification through Austin Dog Alliance. So that's how he got that. That's my sidekick. Uh, And he is so cool. He is just the coolest, chillest dog ever. Yeah, especially for a border collie. Yeah, for a border collie. And just so adorable. I'll I'll have to like put a picture up of him and stuff. Yeah. I'll find some cute (laughs) stuff. But uh, but yeah, because you came into town here uh, right after everything happened with my brother and you brought Kermit. I just remember. And we can hear him outside. You can almost hear him through the door. He wants to come hang out. But he's, yeah, he's so chill. Like he came in and we were all just like, we were all a fucking mess. And he's just like hanging out, giving us all a little therapy, like cuddle therapy and just, uh, it's, it's great. And that's amazing that you've seen, you've seen him help so many people. Oh yeah. Too. So now I had a news reporter ask me, he's gotten a lot of attention and it started with a news guy named Jay out of Austin Jay Wallace had seen him at Eloise Woods Natural Burial Park, which is where I do most of my natural burials right now. And he was doing a story on natural burial and was like, hey, you know, what's up with this dog? And I was like, well, he's going to be the first certified therapy dog. And this was like a month before we had enrolled. So he did a little story on Kermit then saying, this is going to be Texas's first certified therapy dog. And other funeral homes were like, went nuts. They were like, there's already one at this funeral home and one at this funeral home. And I'm like, oh, no, no, your dog's not certified. <laughs> it's just a dog you brought from home to the funeral home. It's just a nice so, dog. But it's just a nice dog. It's a comfort a, animal. Kermit's a really good boy, though. Comfort like, is the comfort. Kermit is the goodest boy. He is the goodest he's boy the goodest of all. Boy. He's he a good really pupper. is. So Jay started it, and then other news outlets picked it up, and then a lady named Sonia, great writer, she has written three articles now that include me, uh, and two of those included Kermit, and because of her, we'll be on the cover of the Southwest Airlines in-flight magazine for October animal issue. Oh. Yeah, so now anytime I fly with Kermit, I'm like, you're looking at your cover model dogs. <laughs> and they haven't given so me is. a free flight yet. So we're, we're still holding out for it. You got to. You're doing yeah. promo for them and stuff. And Kermit's, you know, awesome. So <laughs> that is so great, though. Yeah, um, yeah and it, I mean, animals are so receptive to that. Even, oh, yeah. even the cat that, you know, is is here. And I mean, they're not all you know, perfectly trained like Kermit, but like, you know, pick up on that. Oh yeah. Anybody that spends time with a pet, you know, in their home understands that they know how you feel. And I think the introduction of dogs into funeral service 
is a great idea if done correctly. There's been a lot of attention on on therapy animals in funeral homes and a little Miss Funeral online posted about it the other day and we agreed that we hadn't seen an uptick in it since the footage and the stories about Kermit started. So now a bunch of other dogs are being recognized as well, but some of them aren't even certified. And so I think that it's important just like, not that it's as important as a service dog title because that's totally different than a therapy dog, but I think it's important that we recognize the animals that have been through these certifications and make sure we use the proper terminology. Well, and yeah, it makes sense if you were to go to a human therapist, you would want them to have some kind of specialized training and uh-huh. what you're going to therapy, you know, for them about. So it, it just makes sense. Uh, we had a segment that I do on this show sometimes is like the, the stories of Florida men or the stories of Florida women. And you had an experience when you came last time you met a Florida man in the wild so that's who, what you call a Florida man? That's what I call a Florida man. That's That was your Florida man experience. Um, so, so you came in from Austin, and we were doing like a memorial on the beach for my brother. And this guy decides to just be a dick. He just tries to start harassing us because of Kermit, who's by... I'm not always a dog person, I'll, uh, like, I'll totally admit that, but like, you can't not love Kermit. <laughs> and he was on a leash, and he was right next to me, and we decided that we would take him down to the beach with us, because he loves water. Um, mm-hmm. When you look up that hashtag, you'll, you'll also find his impression of croco-dog, as I call it. Anytime he gets in the water, he just loses his shit. Oh, <laughs> That's yes. what, the swimming and the splashing. But yeah, so this guy comes up, and he's like... Is that, a, is that a therapy animal or a service animal? And I was like, no, he's not a service animal, but he is a therapy animal. And he was like, well, he can't be on the beach. And I'm like, yes, he can. Well, I want to see your papers. Uh, I have them, but no, I'm not showing them to you. Because those are things that are not, you know, for the general public. It's like asking for somebody's medical records. And so he... You're, not, you're under no legal obligation. Absolutely not. You know, eat eat it you know yeah and we started to walk away and he's like i'm calling the police and i'm like call him then and so here come the police moseying down the boardwalk like here we got to deal with this again and even they were sick of this guy you know yeah. he'd like he was like i had just called another dog in you know like, of course you did dude. yeah and got it kicked off and so the guy is five feet away from us or maybe maybe 15 he was like he was far he basically was like he, he, like, almost shouted towards us. He was like, just tell me the magic word. And we were like, Everybody therapy goes, therapy dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like, thank you very much, and walked off. And I was struggling to get the papers out of the bag and everything. And everybody said the magic word, and it was over with. So yeah, the guy had the gall to come up to me later and go, I'm sorry about that. And I was like, yeah. Well, that was my Florida man experience. That was very, sorry about that. That's what ha- that happens. That. They're everywhere. You can't avoid them. They're gonna Florida man out about something, and yeah, it happened. He was so like you. You just tell he was one of those people who sat on the beach all day and had nothing better to do but and like calling dogs shit for people. Yeah, and like the dog didn't even go near him. He just no. he was the one who started it with us mm-hmm. and it was obnoxious and unnecessary and then immediately snitched instead of like 
even but you shut him down so perfectly you're just like i'm not gonna show you papers yeah. yeah like what is he like the the d- therapy dog nazi or something he's like papers please <laughs> like where are your papers for your dog it's like i don't you're not a fucking cop. Like, I'm no. show you shit, dude. You're just some random drunk guy on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Acting like you're in charge of this whole stretch of beach or something. Oh, he thought he was. He'd had enough beers to think he was in charge of the beach. Yeah, so. he had that, like, swagger, you know. Oh, I think what it was, like... the final straw was Kermit and I were out in the water and I found a plastic bottle floating and I threw it up onto the shore because we were still out in the water. In the water. I pulled a bottle from the water. And he came up to us as a group and threw it down on the ground in front of me and said, pick up your trash. Well, I had forgotten all about it by the time we waded way out and Kermit splashing like crazy. But I got it out of the water. And I was just like, whoa, dude. So, yeah. He had some issues. Lots of issues. Lots of, sorry about that. I'm like apologizing on behalf of other Florida people and I don't even do these things. <laughs> so we want to pull Kermit in for the end? Well, yeah, why don't we bring Kermit in here? Maybe he, he can make some weird mouth noises into the mic. It's totally cool. Hey. Oh, that's a good doggo. Hey. Kermit, come like wave your jowls at the microphone. <laughs> This is the good stuff. People pay good money for this. What is this? What is this? What is this? Say woo. Come say woo. Come. What is this? What is that? And sees himself. Oh, come in. Hello, goodest boy. Oh. Any kisses? Any kisses? <laughs> officially therapy dog podcast everybody close your eyes and imagine you're petting a dog he is like unnaturally soft and like good smelling like he doesn't even smell like a dog it's amazing he wouldn't be sleeping in my bed if he smelled like a dog (laughs) (laughs) um yeah he gets a bath at least once a week and then he eats better than I do (laughs) You sniff the Keep the mic. Keep the mic, boy. So, yeah, he eats a healthy diet of cheese and lunch meat whenever I have something that's edible for him. And what else? Puppy whips in the morning from Starbucks. Wow. <laughs> Breakfast and dog champion food. doggos. Doggo food. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, it's, it's so awesome to, like, talk to people who are doing what they love and doing something that's so such a huge part of life that people just want to avoid all the time but it's just so real and you have to face it eventually so i just thanks so much for talking with me yeah this i've learned so much from you tell everyone again where they can find all of your stuff your instagram and all right, so and Instagram and Twitter is at mod underscore mortician and then the modern mortician um, on Facebook. And my website is themodernmortician.com. So, and then Kermit is hashtag death positive pup. 
Well, that's awesome. Well, thanks, Melissa, so much for joining me. Check out all of her stuff. It's super cool. Death positivity is something like I, yeah, I didn't even know existed, and I'm so glad it does. <laughs> Kermit, you yeah, take like, things over. But it it has been awesome, and thank you. I I look forward to yeah maybe having you on again. You know, hopefully passing yeah, through feel Austin. Feel free to edit edit the crazy out. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I'll talk about one thing and get stuck. I'm like, where were we? Oh, it's totally fine. It's awesome. totally fine. Yeah. So everyone, check out her awesome stuff and get yourself educated about death positivity because everyone needs to. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're just going to die. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually not sorry. You're going to die at the end. (laughs) You're going to die. You're welcome. (laughs) Yes. Very good ending. Excellent. Thank you for having me. It was lots of fun. Awesome. Well, sweet. Well, I will be catching everyone next time. This has been Iconosass, and yeah, peace. And yeah.